0: Joshua K. Ward. Joshua, how are you, sir? Josh?
1: Hey, I'm good. How are you?
0: Good. Um, And then, as pleasured as always, couldn't be happier, we're joined by the editor-in-chief, Supreme Overlord, Max Reaper, uh, one of our favorite, Basically, our other, other co-hosts. There's four co-hosts on the show, Max, you're kind of off. That's all right.
2: Oh, wow. I didn't know I was getting a promotion tonight. Yeah,
0: you're feeling good. Uh, so... <laughs> We've got a nice uh, trio uh, tonight. We're
2: um, going to discuss the road with the ladies not so good. We're off the bat start. 7-16 and we're recording this
0: on uh, Tuesday night. And they are down 6-0 to the White Sox on their way to probably... So this has uh, got to start. Wait, what did I say? Did I say 8-16 or 8-17? You said
1: 7-16. Okay, so
0: they will this end up being 7... Or, excuse me, 8-17? Wait. Yeah. Okay, eight and 17, if they lose tonight. So not good either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, either Any of those records are bad. Um, so what do we think? This can't be the true talent level of the team, right? This is just like a really, really bad, bad streak. I mean, we know, we all thought that they weren't gonna be very good, but we didn't quite think they were gonna be this bad, right? Anybody. Go ahead, Max.
2: Well, get, yeah, uh, I, I didn't uh, – I don't think they'll be this bad all year. I mean, look, they're, they're, April mean? was historically bad, off, you know, offensively pretty much. Uh, you know, I don't expect Eric Hosmer to hit like 200 all year, or mm. Alex Gordon hit under 200, or Brad Brandon Moss hit under 100 all year. So, you know, there will be some aggression to the mean on the offense. problem is, of course, the starting pitching has been fantastic in April, and they haven't been able to take advantage of that, and that will also regress back to the mean. At least a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, teams that get off to that kind of start, they don't they, they don't usually make the playoffs. I mean, I had an article earlier this week where, like, I looked at all the teams that had April's about that bad, where they lost 15 games or more and had a winning percentage below 350. And of the 55 teams since the strike that did that, only four even had a winning record. So, you know, not only are the Royals going to be not make the playoffs, they're probably going to be pretty bad, like, in the low 70s, if not worse as far as wind totals. And, um, you know, some of the projection systems predicted that. So yeah, uh, maybe we need a pakota an apology, if that you know that ends up happening. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is a team that I thought at the beginning of the year could be good if, like, every single thing went right for them. And, you know, I wouldn't say that everything has gone wrong for them because, like, they've been pretty healthy, except for Jorge Soler. They've gotten pretty good starting pitching. Um, but and they've just been terrible. So um, this may be just what they are. You know, the offense will get a little bit better, but probably not a lot better. It's probably still going to be one of the worst offenses in the league. So yeah, it's not looking like a uh, championship season in Kansas City. Uh, Josh, are you? I'm imagining you're, you're probably not much more optimistic than I am.
1: No, I mean I'm 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 not. I mean I wasn't, I wasn't particularly optimistic even before the season started. I thought. But I I didn't think they the way that they're losing is not the way that I thought they would lose. Uh, I thought they would have uh, bullpen issues and um, some of the back end starting rotation uh, would falter more than it has. I mean, uh, Jason Vargas is having he's had an absurd month that I I didn't see coming. Um, I I thought he was going to be about what he had been, which is a slightly above four ERA pitcher, um, and Nate Carnes, I thought, would, would you know, struggle to a bit. I, I I assumed he was going to end up at the bullpen at some point, and then, you know, between Danny Duffy and Ian Kennedy and the other guy whose name I'm forgetting right now, Jason, Jason Hamill. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, uh, I, he's, he's I been he yeah I, I I assumed that two of those three would be I assumed that Duffy would be about what he had been last year. I don't I don't I don't think there there's an, enough of a track record with him yet even though we have done a really good job of breaking him down over the last season and, and how well he has actually pitched he didn't really have enough of a track record for me to be like, oh, he's going to be, you know, a five or six win pitcher. I, I assumed he would settle in right around three wins or maybe slightly more than that again this year. Um, and then Ian Kennedy would be a, a, about about average. Um, and, and the rest of the rotation would struggle. And I assumed the bullpen would, would, well, would basically be what the bullpen has been for the first month of the season, which is, uh, Kelvin, and then a lot of the, um, but the the struggles on offense have been completely blindsided me, um, and I and I know that this team had stretches last year where they had they had similar performances, so it, it's not that what they're doing now is completely abnormal, um, but at some point. Last year's team still managed to to start racking off streaks after losing streaks. Um, Like, in early June, they lost something like eight in a row, nine in a row. I I forget what it was off the top of my head. And then they won eight of their next nine um, to sort of balance it out. And there's enough here that makes you think that they'll be able to come back from this a little bit. I mean... Sean, you were saying that they're on track for fifty-one wins this season, yeah, fifty-one
0: point eight four, which would be yeah, the, which would be very, I mean, which would be unheard of because fifty-one wins and they also won, you know, point eight four of a game. That'd be amazing.
1: That that would be amazing. It'd be it'd be one of those four and a half inning rainouts <laughs> that happen. Um, and so they they can't be that bad. Like, there's too much talent on the team for them to be as bad as the 2004 Royals, or the 2007 Royals. Like, there's too much good happening, there's too much good talent on the roster for, for them to be that bad. Um. But it's hard right now to perceive how they're going to be good. Like, is Alex Gordon uh, just kind of done? Like, is he just old and bad now at you know 33 is he just kind of spent uh is eric Hosmer? is this more of what he's been and the ab- the abnormality years were the years where we, th- we thought he was actually being good and this is actually just the hitter he is or you know there's there's just so many bad things happening right now with the offense that it's like if even if half of the the major glaring problems went right they would start winning more games but i still don't think it's enough for them to really climb all the way back you know after losing you know what is it 10 of 11 now if they lose tonight
0: yeah
1: um i don't know and and just if you look at the rest of the division with cleveland and chicago and you know, even Minnesota being better, uh, it's definitely it's definitely more difficult. I mean, I don't want to be a doomsayer because it's May second, but yeah, it might be time to start looking to to start calling some people and, and seeing if they want anything off of your off of your table before July gets here.
0: Yeah, see, I our preseason prediction things i had the rotation i actually was thinking the rotation was going to be an issue and part of it has with hamble and Carnes. but um yeah i mean vargas being that good and duffy being that good and you know as much as i much to my chagrin ian kennedy's been been decent enough <laughs> i think he's well, let me look him up real quick before i put my foot in my mouth yeah decent enough to opt out that's the real
1: no, question
0: ab- absolutely not um no one's gonna give him 41 million or whatever uh with the buyout you know whatever he would get with the buyout which yeah which still doesn't i mean it makes sense they, they just use it as a deferral of money but still he's gonna get six million dollars just for, for walking away from the club um but yeah no i didn't uh, they've been it's definitely been better and so that's what's been interesting better than i expected and the offense has been worse than I expected, uh,
2: and so, yeah, uh, Max, what do you think? <laughs> well, um, that we didn't cover. I think, yeah, I think you guys covered. It. I think it was kind of funny that uh, you know the Royals did. I think there was some some kind of news this off season when they signed Moss and they traded for Solaire, and people are like, oh, they're shift, they're shifting strategies, kind of relying on power more, and now now you're seeing like. Fox Sports Kansas City had a tweet that said are the Royals relying too much on home runs and now like Lee Judge is writing articles about how like you know you can't try to hit home runs all the time and singles are better and so it's funny to kind of see this back it's not like they're even that good at hitting home runs I mean they're like 10th or 11th in the league in home runs which you know is fine considering their stadium but it's not like they're bashing home runs all over the place and um, that's not really the problem either. The problem is they're hitting, like, 200 as a team, not getting on base. They have a terrible approach to the plate where they're just swinging at everything. I think they still lead the American League or the all of baseball at uh, pitches they're swinging at out of the strike zone. So it's not – I mean, no one should be really surprised that the offense is doing poorly. Maybe, maybe it's a surprise they're doing this poorly, but, yeah. uh, you know, this has always been a team that's kind of been prone to streaks. And because of their approach to the plate, you know, they're, they're going to be – uh, you know, there, there might be a book out on them now. It's like, hey, you don't have to throw strikes to the Royals; they're gonna swing everything. Because uh, certainly, that seems like the approach that like Escobar and and Hosmer uh, have taken. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't have any. I'm not a ray of sunshine when it comes to the offense right now. Yeah,
0: and Josh, you mentioned kind of with uh, where to go from here, where to navigate. Yeah, I mean, I think trades are gonna be the most likely thing. Um, I'm working on a thing right now, just trying to figure out when is too. When, when is it, how early can you decide that you're a selling team? And it seems like from what I've kind of quantified a bit is that uh, there is a significant difference between waiting from like mid-May to even like June 1st. There's a pretty big jump in like kind of your expectancy. Um, but then, you know, June is pretty much the same, but then, you know, obviously late July is when you really know. But, I mean, if this team is, you know, 10, 15 games below 500 on June 1st, I mean, is that that's probably too early? You, I mean, not too early. That's probably good enough, right?
1: Sorry, June. June
0: what? Like June first. We'll say they're fifteen games below uh, five hundred. June first.
1: Too early. Mm. To start unloading. <sighs> fifteen games below five hundred would put them what? Like twenty-four back of Cleveland.
0: Yeah, something like that, sure.
1: Like, I yeah. mean...
0: Because they're about to start playing Cleveland a bunch, I think, coming up.
1: Yeah. Like, they. I think they have eight games against Cleveland in the next 30 days or something like that. Nine yeah. games. Something ridiculous. Yeah, I mean... It's not too early for me, but then again, last June and last July wasn't too early for me. Um i don't know june 1st seems like a bad look in terms of pr uh, it, it, it feels like if you're actively shopping Lorenzo kane on june 1st it's hard to sell tickets hmm. so I'm, I'm i'm wondering how how much of you know the fact that we don't see a lot of trades that happen obviously because there's you know still four months of the season left but one of the reasons why more trades happen the closer you get to the end of July is, is also just because teams don't necessarily want to admit that they're not trying to win baseball games anymore because yeah. they still have to sell tickets and yeah. memorabilia and get people out to the ballpark. But I mean, I, I I think from a from a personal standpoint, fifteen games out on June one is a definite. So, yes. At that point, you you have to be shopping mm. players. And even though the regardless reason,
2: of, even though he says that he doesn't shop players, they, that's more- right. He doesn't shop players. Which is not, <laughs> so. He's not going to shop players around. Yeah, I don't. I don't see. I don't think like selling tickets is going to be a factor. I I I do think like by June you'll know for sure if this team is in or out of it. I think the reason you do see teams make trades earlier in the in the like like in June typically, and there's been a few like. The Royals traded Carlos Beltran, I think, in late June. Uh, Cliff Lee, I think, was traded once in late June. But I think most of the time you, you just don't see it because like teams are kind of waiting for like the best yeah. late offer they can they can get, and yeah. and also I think teams are maybe a little hesitant to pull the trigger on a uh, on a big deal in June because some teams may not mm-hmm. they might want to assess whether or not they're really going to be in it because you know it takes like a you know a bad bad June to kind of take a good team out of the you yeah. know pennant race. Um, so I don't expect the Royals to just start unloading guys in June. It'll probably be in, in July when, um, and, you know, teams start feeling a little more urgency too, especially once, you know, once the first uh, domino falls, usually other teams will start, you know, oh, the the Yankees did something. We got to do something too. We got to go out. There's a run on relievers right now. We got to overpay for Kelvin Herrera. That's, I think that's kind of a herd mentality that typically typically takes place in July. So I, yeah. I would expect, you know, they may start listening, because right now there's already reports that Kel- that the Nationals are interested in Kelvin Herrera, and, and uh, Sam Mellinger had an article that t- today that says, well, the Royals haven't had any talks with them yet, which I wouldn't expect them to do, at least for another month. but Are they, are they giving us
1: listening. Bryce Harper or Trey Turner for that? Yeah. Which, which one? <laughs> I
2: don't know. Harper's not a winner, man. He doesn't uh, he is not to win. Yeah. Where's where is it, where's his rings? I don't think we'd want yeah. him. Yeah, it's Trey Turner on only has board, a 4% yeah. But wasn't there a talk like people thought we were going to get Trey Turner for like, I just involved or something like that? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. what? <laughs> How's sure. that going to happen? <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. This must have been when Trey Turner was like 10 years old or something. And they go, oh, sure. Yeah. We'll get like, that deal. But not, sure. not a current, years ago. Yeah. Not currently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I figure, and I know there's going to be a lot of kind of controversy around this, but should anybody be off limits if they decide to sell? I mean, I, I know it's the bad PR to sell Duffy's, you know, after they signed him, but, I mean, is that, if that's the only hit, I mean, I don't know, is that too big of a hit to take a PR hit if you can get a really good package back? Where's well, the yeah, trade
2: my, off on that? My, my stance is, like, no one should ever be awful. I and mean, like, if you get overwhelmed with like, just a ridiculous yeah. offer for Duffy, yeah, I mean, you should probably pull the trigger. But Yeah, like, yeah, if you get I, Trey Turner or Bryce Harper... Yeah, yeah. If they if they come at you with that, then you got to at least consider that, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I think it's it's probably poor form to trade a guy a couple months after you just sign him to an extension. It probably also sends you know sends a bad signal to, to the fans, which I'm not sure you should care so much about that. But I think you should care about you know sending a message to players uh, that want to commit here. So and you know, Dayton Moore, you know, criticize him all you want, but I think he has at least created an atmosphere in Kansas City that. Players will want to commit here, and, and maybe they would have anyway if you offer them enough money. But you know, certainly it does seem to be more of a desire from players to want to commit here than there was, you know, seven eight years ago. Um, but you know, I don't know if you if you got a great deal, I think you'd have to consider consider it for Duffy, consider it for Salvi. Um, but but it, it, it's hard to see it's hard to see them getting that kind of offer for those
1: guys. But I don't know. What do you think, Josh? I. Nobody's off limits, and, and and I think I come at this from a from a slightly different perspective than um, probably Sean does. Is there is there is something to be said about keeping fan favorites in town that goes beyond just their value as a player? So Danny Duffy being essentially the the face of the Royals pitching staff for the next, you know, basically half decade. Like, that that has an effect greater than what his value is. He also happens to be a really good pitcher, so that plays a factor. And, you know, I'm not suggesting that if the Royals wanted to keep Chris Young around because he's a really nice guy, like, that's a good idea. It's not. Um, But, nobody's off-limits, but there's I guess what you would call like a like a hometown tax or a loyalty tax for some guys. Like trading Duffy is going one, it's probably not gonna happen. But two, if it did happen, just from a from an organizational standpoint, he means more to us than he does to you. So you're going to have to pay me more to get him away from me. Yeah. Well but Yeah, go
0: ahead, Tar.
1: But other, but other than that, I mean, the Royals find themselves in a really interesting position, particularly with position players, where most of the guys that people would want to trade for aren't going to be here anyway after this season. So they they don't really have any any anything that is battened down, um, that is of you know any sort of substantive trade value? Because I mean, He's unless gone, you're talking about you trading prospects, here? which can you get the you know, out of here? Conceivably, I guess, but that would just be weird. But I mean, Lorenzo Cain, Mike Moustakis, and I guess Eric Hosmer—if somebody wants to fix his swing for him—are essentially the three most valuable yeah. position players that can be traded. And they're also the three guys who are not under contract after the season is over. Um, So those guys should definitely be shopped, I guess. Which is, you know, a word that Dayton Moore doesn't like. But yeah. Other than that, I mean, I'm a nail.
0: I'm I'm a anybody that's not nailed down. Um, or, you know what, I, I'm going to take, take everybody. I don't even care about the nail down. I mean, really, if you can get a good price for Perez and Duffy, take it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what good is, whatever, 31-year-old Duffy going to have on a team that's rebuilding? I mean, it's nothing. I mean,
1: he's he'll honestly, money either I, way. And honestly, I think Perez is actually a, a really unique case because... I think other teams view him because as an offensive player, he's roughly 10% below average, give or take. His career WRC Plus is 98. But over the last three seasons, it's gone down. Or four seasons. It went from 106 to 91 to 86, and then plateaued last year when it was in 88 He's only been a three-win player essentially twice in his career, and both of those happened three and four years ago. And and I think, again, kind of that conversation I was talking about intangibles and sort of the things that are difficult to quantify because it's an organizational whatever. Um, I think Salvador Perez can can be something to an organization that goes beyond numbers again that doesn't necessarily that doesn't mean you're going to get you know four top one hundred prospects back for him but um, he's he's the, he's the kind of guy that I think teams value more than just his you know his slash line and his wins above replacement
0: well and they uh they for sure know that he's getting traded before July. I don't know. I can't make a good joke. I'm referencing how he drops off in production after every single basically July first. <laughs> so he's for sure getting traded prior to hopefully July first if that happens. Otherwise, yeah, he's going to just lose his trade value. But yeah, maybe
2: maybe any team that gets him should like yeah. send him on vacation for like a week. You know, hey, why don't you go to a spa for yeah. like for like July the rest of July? Yeah. So he might be well, come back
0: winter trade guy just because you at least get the good production from the first half of the of the year but yes yeah,
1: max and it's weird because it's it's i mean it's obviously it's obviously a case of overuse to a certain extent but it's just weird how how telegraphed it is at this point i mean 150 games in 2014 and he, you know, saw a terrible drop off in 2015, 142 games, still dropped off pretty hard. 139 games last year, and you know he had, he's had some like really really minor injuries over over those periods and things like that. So, right around, yeah, right around like game 85. I get, I don't know. Maybe he goes, maybe he goes home during the All Star break, and then, you know, just has a huge party like a Project X style party where he invites 3,000 people to his house and everybody gets drunk and sleeps on the lawn and then he just never recovers. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Huh? He could. It'd be fun. I'd go. I wish he didn't bite me, but, you know, we're not on speaking terms.
0: Yeah, maybe his steroids drop off or be or become ineffective. I don't know. Anyways. Uh So... Yeah,
1: yeah. For the so, record, Salvador Perez does not do steroids. Hey,
0: I I don't know. I mean, they if Jason Grimsley got busted for roids, I mean, come on, you can't.
1: Yeah, but J- Jason Grimsley needed roids. Yeah. To be yeah. Anyways. Uh, to be essentially viable. F- yeah. Subpar, I yeah. guess. Isn't he the one who stole the bat out of the umpire's office for? Uh, yeah. Was Robert that, Bell. Uh, yeah, Albert Bell. Hey. You know
0: what? You know, not it's not that I'm looking forward to a bad Royals-like stretch, but, I mean, we get some cool stories out of some bad Royals teams.
1: It's so much easier to write about a bad team.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff that happens. All sorts of the BB gun hitting the girl in the eye. Dee Brown, whoever shot that. I mean, come on.
2: Yeah. Emil Brown. Yeah. Emil Brown. Oh, yeah. Emile. Not B. Brown. Emil Brown.
0: That's. 3-mil Brown. Solid gold. There's a D. There was a D. Yeah, there's a D. Brown. Okay. I was just make it. There sure
1: was I'm a D. Brown. He's D the, Brown. the worst Royals player of all time. He wins above replacement.
0: What was the difference between D. Brown and Emil Brown? Other than D. Brown played first base, right? Emil Brown was a. Uh, mil-
1: no, they were both outfielders. Oh.
0: What? I thought D. Brown played fifth yeah. base. Oh.
1: Yeah. Emil Emil Brown played left field, mostly, and was the worst average player in baseball. (laughs) Like, he led the team in RBI twice, I think, and he clearly didn't like Kansas City. And when I said he led the team in RBI, I think his totals were something like 83 and 87, so it's not like... Yeah,
0: three... uh... Three-win player in 2006, Emile Brown.
1: Yeah. Pretty good. The the worst average player of all time. That is...
0: So he's a career three-and-a-half-win player, and 3.3 of that war is from 2006. Interesting. Okay. Um, And also the third hit on Google when you Google Emile Brown is remembering Emile Brown from Royals Review.
2: I don't know, let's see who wrote that.
0: Oh, uh, f- uh for you, for no, for no wrote that. Oh, okay. Well.
1: Yeah. Now that so, we've gotten the,
0: you know, now that we've gotten the mandatory Emile Brown highlight yeah, out of the, the way.
1: The mandatory early 2000s Royals reference that yeah. we always seem to stumble into. Yeah. Oh, there's going to be a lot more parallels drawn in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, that's true.
0: So, um... Anybody want
1: to talk about terrence long
0: <laughs> no i want uh although you know there's been a lot of ryan Cheeley. i've seen a i've seen a lot of ryan Cheeley stuff come up recently for no random for random reasons so i'm very happy about that as an owner of a ryan Cheeley jersey i am all for that
1: what's a jersey you know, oh it's the shirt yeah got
0: it yeah i've got hat and a mike mcdougall those are the only Royal shirts I own, and I have a polo.
1: Did they did they give those
2: away on a T-shirt Tuesday or something?
0: Uh, no, I bought the Sheely one, the McDougal one. I'm not sure. You, where you it came bought from. It Ryan Sheely jersey. Oh yeah, dude, I love Ryan Sheely. I, oh, wow.
1: the, the 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 best one of those that I have seen. Uh, my friend owns a Ryan Buckvich jersey. Oh man, I I'm pretty sure he bought. And then he doesn't own anymore, but owned at one point a Jeff Austin jersey. Ooh. That is quite possibly the the worst pair of Royals Relievers yeah. jerseys that you could own. Unless you had an Albi Lopez kicking around in your closet somewhere.
0: There are three players. There's three ex Rocky then Royal players I think of. It's Nephi Perez, Ryan Cheeley, and can you guys think of who the third one is? It's, it's, it's um, insanely Francis? random.
1: No, it's... No, 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 no. It's... Uh, Curtis Liscansic. Uh, Felipe Polino, isn't it? Oh,
0: yeah, that's a good one. I didn't think of him. Wait, hold on. Maybe I'm getting it wrong. Hold on, hold on, hold on. David Risky? No, he's from the Brewers, not the Rockies. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I like David Risky a lot. I thought he, he had a really good year with the Royals once, didn't
2: he? It right. did. I think I had him uh, on a list of free agents and he was like second yeah. or third in best value as far as what they paid him yeah. compared to his war he was really good for the royals yeah he had it's
0: low it's sub 3 ERA that one year form
1: okay yeah, yeah. one of Dayton's better yeah. free agent signings yeah and, then he and time during that period of time, yeah he was he was at the end of that period of time when the royals would sign um pretty average relievers and then trade them after a season or, or a season and a half uh, like, they did it with David Risky. They did it with, or maybe they didn't do it with David Risky, but yeah, they did they it with, like,
0: Curtis. I think they got a, a cop pick for Risky. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. What um, what about, Bro-
2: was but Broxton they- one of those, too? Was he traded? Yeah, Broxton, they traded him to Cin- or yeah. It- Cincy? He- yeah, Cincy. Yeah. Donnie no. Joseph. Donnie and then- Joseph and some guy with an initial name. Oh, what was that guy's name? Oh, J.C. Silbaran. J.C. Silbaran. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Did- yeah. Why didn't you think of that never, one, dummy.
0: Never- Come on, Max. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How could you forget about JC Solberg? Whoa, whoa, hold on, now I gotta figure out where he's at. JC Solberg still in the minors. Yeah. Still hasn't made his debut. Yeah. He's only a few months older than me. Uh or younger oh, than me. I'm um trying
1: to remember all the Royals relievers they acquired just so that they could trade them. Yeah. Curtis Lascanic was one. Um there was uh oh, his name started with it was a uh, he had like a Q in it. Got Dang it going to have to look him up now. Um, Umberto Quintero. Was... No. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think anybody could. Big fan. I don't think anybody big, wanted. Big fan.
0: Quintero. Oh, man. 59 WRC plus for the Royals. Not good.
1: Wasn't... Oh, Dallas Perez? Ah. <laughs> I remember? not
0: about Justin Maxwell? Now I'm looking at ex- Astros turn Royals, Justin Maxwell. I remember one guy, God, I don't. you know, I can't think of who it was, but I remember someone on Twitter was so pumped about acquiring Justin Maxwell, and he was good for that half season. Uh, I mean, the half season he joined, but then he was just bad the next year.
1: When he hit he that like, grand slam, right?
0: Yeah. Everybody's like, oh man, we've got our everyday right fielder figured out, and then he puts up a negative one win season.
2: Over 20 games! See, this is how bad the Royals have play this April, we're reminiscing about yeah. two thousand seven to two thousand thirteen <laughs> era Royals <Yeah.
1: laughs> walking down if, memory
2: lane. Yeah.
1: If only because this team is sort of reminding us of those teams. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which is just probably the biggest insult that I, I could really come up with at yeah. this point is just You make me think of the period of time when Jeff D'Amico was on the roster. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but again, for the listeners at home, negative one win in 20 games. That's insane. He was worth – in 20 games, he was that bad. He was on base for, like, a, a negative five, six-win season. Anyways, he was bad. Yeah. Justin Maxwell. I mean,
1: Jose Guillen was, was that bad, but he stretched it out over, like, yeah, you know,
0: it took, he was 90 over. games. Okay, um, let's, let's talk about Eric Hosmer real quick. Talking about negative one-win guys, Eric Hosmer, um soon free agent soon to be you know what and here's a good question why do we talk i know why we talk about eric osmer maybe more than anybody else just kind of maybe royals twitter everybody as a whole he's not a very good player like if he wasn't a first round draft pick and you know hadn't had his all-star game and the the mvp and the futures or not the futures the the whatever um, uh the world baseball classic like he's not a great player he's been worth like five wins his whole career you know he's had two three win seasons but then he's had those awful negative blow, you know replacement level seasons but like it's just weird we spend a lot of time talking about this guy who is mainly popular because of a, a couple things I mean he was drafted early he was a early first round pick he's had some good years and he's won some gold gloves like he's he's just not that good of a player but he's talked about a lot am I crazy is that making sense does everybody get what I'm saying here no.
1: You're saying that he's not good, and we spend too much time talking about him. But,
0: yeah. But, but it, we
1: should probably talk about it. Well, yeah. That's, but, that's the gist of it.
0: But I'm saying, like, a, look at the guys who have a career of five wins, like, for the career. What other five-win career player is getting talked about as much overall? Like, ESPN, you name it, as much as Eric Hosmer. I don't think there are any.
2: No, it's it's been one of the most baffling things to me, just like how he gets talked about by two se- two different sets of like fans yeah. really, or, or pundits as well like there are people who and I think I'm in your camp where I see his numbers and instead of the you know the superstar treatment I see more of a James Loney or Casey Kochman or JT snow a guy who's and I think he's like a better defender than the metrics say but he's not a great defender and he's certainly a well below average hitter
0: mm.
2: uh, and that's pretty established now through six major league seasons like that is what he is yeah uh he's not going to get a little lot better he's not going to probably get a lot worse and then there are some people who see a superstar who's a and you know i know scott boris is kind of throwing out mark tick share and i think everyone kind of thinks that's silly but there are people that think that he's a very clutch hitter a superstar jim Leyland, manager of team usa thinks yeah. he's a better first baseman than <laughs> paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt, yeah. i mean uh, th- the Royals have reportedly said he's worth more than Brandon Belt, which he's, you know, look at the numbers, and he's not. <laughs> but uh, so there's this huge dichotomy uh, between people in baseball. So I'm really interested in seeing, like, what does he get this offseason? Because uh, it only takes one team to kind of buy into the mystique of Hosmer to give him that kind of deal. But is is there that team left? Like, I think pretty much every team has a pretty robust analytics department. Now, there may be a GM that overrides that department, and sometimes like the Royals. Um, you know, Dave Dombrowski with the Red Sox might be that kind of guy. He's kind of more old school, comes from the scouting school. So he's a possibility, and the, the Red Sox don't really have a long-term answer at first. But, I mean, I think most teams are going to look at the metrics and say, yeah, that's a guy that probably should get, like, a two- or three-year deal at most. Yeah. Uh, it, worth, like, you know, $30, $40 million uh, total value. Not a guy that should get five- or six-, seven-year deal over a hundred million dollar contract, so yeah, it's 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 kind of bizarre to me just how wide of a gulf there is between uh, people that think he's a superstar and people that think he's probably you now pretty pretty below average first baseman. But yeah, I career.
0: Know. I th- okay, um, real quick, so career F WAR Fangraphs WAR similarities. You've got Eric Hosmer at five point three, followed by Jeff Francoeur at five point four, Ryan Rayburn at five point five. all right. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Make your point. I just oh now I'm frustrated.
1: Well, I mean, I think in in regard to the perception discussion, um, I think it's as simple as saying that Eric Hosmer had his best season when the Royals had their best season yeah, in the yeah. last thirty years. Yeah, like it's like his best year was 2015, and the Royals' best year in three decades was 2015. And so, for better or worse, he will always be associated with that season, and specifically with you know a very particular moment in the World Series yeah. that everyone will continue you know to to sort of give him you know credits for or put on him or you know whatever you want whatever you want to call it or whatever you want to look at um. And so I think he is intrinsically tied to that season, in in the in the mind of, of fans anyway, and in, in, in sort of in the mind of, of the casual fan, it doesn't necessarily, you know, pay. It, I mean, they see that he's won three Gold Gloves. They know that he, um, you know, broke for home in the World Series and tied the game. Like those are the things that they know and that they remember and. Nobody really remembers you know in you know two thousand fourteen when he was essentially an average hitter for a year or nobody remembers two thousand and twelve well below average that year he, he was twenty percent below average as you know a second year player and it's it's frustrating it's frustrating for a couple of reasons one his issue is so identifiable uh he has a terrible swing. He has a terrible swing path, more than anything. Um, and it's it's one of those things that you you even to a a, a you know somebody who watches baseball, you know, on a semi limited basis. It's so easy to identify what his issue is in in terms of his swing that the Royals haven't done anything about it. Really, I mean, maybe they've made some adjustments here or there, but if you if you pull up tape from, you know, 2011 or 2012, his swing looks roughly the same as it did five years ago. The difference being is that it's worse now, I guess, or he's less lucky. I, I mean, it's some combination of the two. Um... He's kind of had these weird, wild swings in Babbitt, um, over the years. So, when his ground balls find holes, he has good seasons is really the long and short of it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. And that's not happening so far this year, and so he's having his worst season so far.
0: Yeah, it's, it's strange to notice that. I mean, it, it almost makes you wonder, like, his ground ball rates... Have- were the exact same in the minors as they are now. So it's really kind of makes you wonder, man, how did he have, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, he was young and he was beaten up on, you know, talent lesser than him. Um, But it's like, man, he dominated a lot in in the minors. But, you know, with one season, he, you know, he hit 70% ground balls uh, over that uh, 27 games. So it's kind of like, man, how did he do this? But still was good. But, yeah, I mean, he just beat up on on younger guys. And that's, I don't know. Oh, that's different. kind of well, crazy. And, I didn't
2: know
1: that. Well, and and you know everybody everybody brings up the fact that Hosmer this year has hit the hardest ball, oh. or until recently, yeah. I want I want to say, but it was yeah the hardest hit ball that you know struck the ground about fifteen feet away from home plate, yeah. and then you know made its way into the second baseman's glove, who threw it to first, and it was an out. So there's. The the Ultimately, the frustrating thing about Eric Hosmer will be the fact that um, it seems like, from an outside perspective, that really minor adjustments would have made him into the superstar that everybody thinks that he is. But what he really is, like Sean mentioned, is Ryan, Ryan. Rayburn. But what? with three Gold Gloves and a World Series ring,
0: yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting when we look back on Hosmer I don't know, five, ten years from now. Not knowing at this point what he what he's going to get in free agency, but yeah. it'll be interesting yeah, to look back mean, and see. Like, man, why did that happen? You know,
1: depending on. What yeah, you're I mean, there's <sighs> there's a very distinct possibility, and we we have joked about it for you know half a decade now. But there is a very very real possibility that Eric Hosmer is going to make his way to a different organization, and they are going to fix his swing, and he is going to become the player he should have been three years ago, or four years ago. Uh, And as a Royals fan, that is remarkably frustrating. And it, it makes, and if that happens, it will make you wonder if it's an organizational thing, or if it's Eric Hosmer. And the fact that we don't really know that is kind of where some frustration comes in. And I know that Sean has written about whether or not the Royals have a drafting problem, and I have written about whether or not they have a development problem. And there's a lot of evidence there to support both factors, especially over the last three or four years, that not only have the Royals not drafted super great, but they've also had developmental issues essentially at every level of minors for a lot of guys. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one thing for Bubba Starling to be a project player that needs, you know, four or five years in the minors to, to become an average hitter. It's another thing for Bubba Starling to spend six years in the minors and he is still, like, the worst hitter that you can imagine, like, in triple A. And he's in AAA for reasons. Like yeah. I don't know. That's and it's it's something that we've seen before. I mean, recently with Raul Mondesi, um, why he was in the major leagues at all ever is ridiculous uh, from an organizational standpoint. Um, Salvador, Salvador Perez got rushed to the majors, even though that has sort of worked out. Um, you wonder if he would have been able to develop a little more plate discipline as a you know twenty two twenty three year old in the minors than what he has now, which is essentially none um if he and so and between that and Eric Cosner and some of the pitching development problems, particularly with starters i mean until Danny Duffy and you know giordano ventura was was kind of getting there um but he, you know, has had struggles in, in the majors before he passed away. And so there's there's a lot to look at organizationally and just say, like, well, the Royals' best homegrown player of the last 12 years or so, the two best, I guess you would say, is probably Alex Gordon and Zach Greinke. And both of those guys were Allard Baird draft picks, right? Uh, Zach Greinke and Alex Gordon? Yes. Yeah. Yep. yep. And both of those guys at least started in the minors under the under the previous organizational development. Uh, and Zach Granke you know, is <laughs> equally eccentric and uh, wonderful pitcher, who you know won a Cy Young Award and then was traded. Um, and then should have won another Cy Young Award, but everybody fell in love with Jake with Arietta for reasons that escaped me. Um, and Alex Gordon became really good for a decent amount of time, uh, but it took a really long time to get there, and it didn't last as long as we think it should have. And so it's... I, I <sighs> This is a hard conversation to have when you're two years removed from winning the World Series... But I, I think legit it's a legitimate concern that this Royals organization may not be as good at player development as we think they have been and that will be an issue if it continues uh, for the next you know three or four years as they try and put a new team together. I mean the best the best player they have on the offense right now is Lorenzo Kane and he was a he was traded for. Uh, and so it's it's just it's frustrating that one, that Eric Osmer is struggling as much as he is uh, that is probably the biggest thing and then two that there's some guys in the minors right now that give you some hope to being that give you some hope about the future Ryan O'Hearn being one um, that Sean loves and I also am admiring him uh, and there's you know some other guys down there but it, it just organizationally speaking it's it's a concern that i have moving forward um, and so i'm hoping that they will trade some of these guys you know before lorenzo kane gets hurt uh would be great yeah. and get people into the system so they can actually start working with them you, you know start, start rebuilding, rebuilding team a team that, that Honestly, probably should have been blown up this last winter.
0: Yeah, and you Go wonder ahead. though, and, and say, oh great, oh yeah, let's trade these guys, assuming we're going to get good assets in return, which isn't the case. Obviously, it was right. a different team, a different front office. But I mean, yeah. the Beltron trade didn't quite work out very well. I mean, there's, it's not a guarantee to get good players, you know, in return necessarily. So that's, yeah, that's the other thing why drafting has to matter. You have to be able to draft good players, and they simply haven't done that. So. I know a lot of us are hanging our hats on, like, okay, let's get the rebuild going, but it's like, man, even the rebuild might not be as great as we think it is going to be. So,
2: Yeah, and I mean, a few times, like, you know, you look at the Braves and the Astros and the Cubs with their rebuilding movements, like, they really, a lot of those teams, Cubs got a few good players, but, like, the Astros didn't really get that many good players for the guys they traded away, like yeah. Roy Oswald, yeah. Lance Berkman, and, uh, you know, the longtime Astros that had been there. But they traded them away. They didn't get a whole lot for them. Right. It was really mm-hmm. just, they were really good at, when the new administration came, they were really good at drafting. They were really good at finding good trades and useful players off the waiver wire, like Colin McHugh and, guy, you know, at developing guys like Dallas Keuchel, who wasn't a high-round pick, yeah. just a guy that kind mm-hmm. of developed. So, um, and, you yeah, know, it just, you just Carlos need to be Bray. better. Yeah, well, Carlos Trail helped. You know, tanking got him a good good pick. But other than that, they didn't really, a lot of the, you know, their other High round picks. were kind of bust. Mark and, um and yeah. who's the other guy that uh, kind of Brady Aiken? Oh, yeah. Uh, didn't yeah. Really, yeah, didn't really. He, he didn't sign him. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I mean, it's like you just really to get better, you just need to get good players. I mean, you can do it. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can skin a cat, but I mean, right. they, they just need better at building a roster than they've been this year at least. You know, they, so they have a decent track record, I guess, in the last couple of years. But yeah, I share your concern that like. The player development side has just been kind of a disaster the last couple of years, and Sean, you've written a lot about this, and especially about the the change in scouting directors, how that's kind of been their downfall. But uh, so I don't know if you want to get too much into into that. If no, sure. you want to? Well, did you want to talk a little bit about the trades too? Like how? Like what sure. do you think they can get? And I wanted to point out real quick
0: that I mean, even when you talk about the Cubs, if if people want to point to the Cubs as like the like, oh, it's possible to do it real quick. Look at their first round picks. I'm looking on here. It's since 2011. It's Javier Baez hit. Albert Amara hit Chris Bryant hit Kyle Schwarber hit Ian Happ hit I mean they hit hard on you know yeah. several first round picks like yeah they were early but I mean it's still like I mean think about all the Royals players that they had early first round picks like they're not always going to be hits and like not that the Cubs got lucky but I mean they nailed their pa- I mean they nailed Bryant, Schwarber Happ all in a row Um, Brian's one of the best players in baseball Schwarber's pretty dang good, and Hap looks like he's going to be pretty good too, so it it takes extreme luck to even get to where the Cubs were to begin with, and not even luck, I mean, it could be a mix, but they also busted on Pierce Johnson and uh, Paul Blackburn, uh, who were first round picks for them too, so uh, anyways, uh, but yeah, for for, uh, trade-wise, I think, do you guys think it's better? I think it's always, I think it would make more sense to package Kane and Herrera separately than together unless the team i I don't know i always like i always feel like leveraging you know two different teams because if you try if you trade them both together you might get a better return but you're still drawing from a well that only a finite well you know you're only looking at that organization's prospects so why not split up and maybe get some more diversification in there and getting other guys but i mean Am I alone in that thought that I would rather just piecemeal everybody rather than you know make one big lump package and put it all on on black with those prospects?
2: No, I I totally agree. I, I I've always been to that strategy. And I think a lot of times fans fans when they when they propose deals they usually only see it from one side, which yeah. is the royal side, you know, or the whatever team they're trading for, and they're like, well, if we package these two together, you know, they see it as a formula. If we package these two guys together. That means we can get their top prospect, but that's that's not really how it works because the other team you're dealing with, they may say, well, that top prospect's untouchable. We're not dealing with that guy, or you know, uh, that that top prospect maybe plays a position you don't really need, or you know, whatever. You know, there's a lot of complicating things that go into it, or maybe they don't want to take on the salary of Kane and Herrera, yeah. or maybe you know, there's you know, they, they may not even have a need for Kane, or maybe they, maybe they don't need Herrera. So yeah, I agree. I think the more you split these guys up, you can yeah leverage several different, you know, there's going to be a market for Herrera. Several different teams are going to be after him. There's going to be a market for Kane. Several different teams are going to be after him. If it happens to be the same team that gives you the best deal for both of them yeah. and you package them together, then that makes sense. But I wouldn't go out of my way to, to kind of package them together. And I think you bring that up because I guess there's talk about the Nationals being interested in Kelvin Herrera and, of course, Adam Eaton's out. And Lorenzo Kane would obviously be a very very good fit there if they decide they need to go external to fill that need. Um, and so I've heard some people say, like, "Oh, well, if you package Herrera and Kane, Victor Robles, is one of the top twenty prospects in all of baseball, <laughs> yeah, an outfield continue, prospect, yeah. he could be he could be a play." Which I think that's pretty far fetched yeah. because he's it's kind of awesome. one of those untouchable guys. Unless you get like a pitcher that's under you know an elite pitcher that's under two or three years of club control, you're not going to deal a guy like Robles. You're not going to deal him for a guy that has two months of control. Yeah. So, well, look at yeah.
0: the guy that they're trying to replace they're uh, they're they're trying to swap canin for eaton eaton himself was literally just traded for lucas giolito and ronaldo lopez both those guys giolito was a top 10 prospect in baseball robles is a top 10 prospect in baseball and eaton's controlled until like 2022 or something like that like he's around for a long time And he was a
2: six-win player last year? Yeah,
0: he's a really good... I mean, he's Kane, but he's Kane as if you controlled Kane for more than just the next three months. Younger
2: younger and more durable. Well, I guess maybe not more durable.
0: (laughs) Well, and not relying on defense more so. I mean, Eaton's a pretty good hitter. Uh, I'm not that Kane's a bad hitter, but... uh, So, yeah, no, I I think that... and, And also, it's a matter of... I kind of hate that forced necessity where it's like, oh, the Nationals need a center fielder... They're obviously going to trade for Kane. Well, no. I mean, they might like their internal options more than what they would like lose trade, in like, trading. Yeah, I mean, like not for like Kane, but yeah, Trey Turner, right. They can move him to center field. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for moving the guys. And I think, you know, Moustakas, you could find someone for Kane, Herrera, you can find someone for... Um, Vargas, you know, you could probably find someone to take Vargas, someone who needs, like, a back-end, like, like maybe, I don't know, like, the Astros. I'm just thinking of uh, someone who... And there's obviously going to be another pitcher injured here in the next month or two when players are needed. So, yeah, I mean, everybody has pieces, but what do you do with Eric Osmer? Where does he go?
1: I honestly am not sure that you could trade him. Yeah, I think, I think anything, something like that. Anything, anything substantive currently, anyway. I mean, if he... You know, if he hits, you know, three twenty, four hundred, five hundred over the next month and, you know, hits, you know, ten home runs or whatever, and then yeah, sure. Somebody's going to trade for him because he's he has enough of a reputation for being a decent hitter sometimes that a team is going to be willing to give up something of value for him, but the current incarnation of hosmer the the guy with the like what sixty eight w r c plus although it you know went down after tonight so call it sixty five uh is a is a thirty percent below average hitter with you know defense that is either really good or completely terrible nobody nobody really seems to know the metrics say he's bad but baseball says he's good, yeah. so. Well, I don't. I don't think there's anything. I don't think there's any value that you can actually get for him, right now. That would be like, oh, like yeah, you should, you know, totally yeah. trade him to the Yankees for like Justice Sheffield or something. Like, yeah. yeah, and he's and he's like, you know, a bottom fifty on the on the top one hundred. Like he's, you're you're probably not going to get that kind of return for Eric Hosmer.
2: The, yeah, uh, I think he'll, he'll probably get, go on a streak too. I think he'll get he'll warm up and maybe that'll convince some team that he's yeah. worth it. But the problem is, like first baseman don't get traded at the yeah. deadline a lot of times because there's usually not a need. I mean, usually if you're playing well into July, that means your first baseman's a big part of that. Um, I and mean, I'm just looking like teams that have struggled with a first baseman, like the Yankees, I guess have exactly what with I was Greg Bird. Yeah, so they'd be a candidate right now. Uh, the Indians are kind of struggling at first base. But, you know, Carlos Santana. You're not going to replace him with no. Carlos Santana and 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 Encarnacion. And, and, and the, so, I mean, the the Rangers. You know, they've uh, they have. Gallo. They have a, I mean, they'd rather do Gallo yeah. there. Yeah, I think mean, Joey Gallo could replace Mac Mike Napoli. So they don't seem like they'd be a, a a you know great candidate. A lot of people mentioned Boston at the beginning of the year, but Mitch Moreland's played yeah. really well for them. Yeah. So. I- there's got to be a really specific need and then that team's got to feel like Hosmer is the player to fill that need now you know I don't know if there's going to be that kind of situation so. yeah and the Red Sox have
0: traffic the player, Shaw to, as to, well. the player
2: yeah. to
1: fill that need for a price that they're willing to to yeah mean yeah will we give up you know these prospects in exchange yeah, for them? because it's a it's a very narrow band of teams that are a competing b need first base help and think that Eric Hosmer is the answer
2: And have the prospects that the Royals would want. I mean, the Royals may look over the prospects and say, well, that's not really much to offer, so pass. Yeah, but the problem is you're
0: stuck in that that corner where you have to trade him. Like, that's the kind of... And maybe that's going to work against the Royals because, like, keeping them does does them no... Assuming he's kind of the same as he is now. Like, he's not going to get a qualifying offer at this point. I don't know. Maybe he would.
2: Oh, I I think think he will. I think he will. I think he
1: will, and I think he'll turn it down. And I think it'll be a bad idea.
0: Okay, I think, I, think
1: I, I def I yeah I think he will get a qualifying offer and I think he will turn it down. Okay, I and I, I mean and I think I, I think he'll be roundly mocked for doing so. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, and I well, and we're saying that now because Eric Hosmer is hitting so poorly. Why well, wouldn't he yeah. accept a qualifying offer? If he goes into but,
0: the that's what I'm saying. If he goes into the offseason hitting pretty much what he's hitting now, sub 70 WRC plus, he's not going to get a qualifying offer. Uh-huh. Oh yeah,
2: but I, he's gonna. Yeah, uh, he'll no, be but, better. But, he'll end the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, he'll the year like around 260 with like 15 home yeah.
2: runs. And no, man, I mean, I would.
1: I, I, would I assume yeah. I would. I would at this point, he's the best comp that I can probably get. Is he'll probably hit somewhere between his, like his 2012 line and his line from last year.
0: There is yeah. no team that looks so I, I, for offering a qualifying offer. There's no team. Yeah. It's always up to the player for declining or accepting it, and it's always up to the team. Like, when you look at the Michael Kodair, uh qualifying offer, oh, yeah, the Rockies mm-hmm. were brilliant to offer him that because he declined it, and then the Mets went and signed him and lost their pick, and now they got a pick for a guy that should never have gotten in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. the Royals have very yeah, little I'd... disincentive to not offer him that.
1: Um, unless... He hits like this for the rest of the year. I don't think there's any way that the Royals don't give him a QO. I think even even if he does, though, oh, I think yeah. they would because they'll, they'll be like he'll bounce
2: back next year. Yeah, we'll yeah. take, we'll take that, a seventeen that, million dollar yeah, gamble. That's a good
1: point. I mean, so he's had bad seasons before, and they sure you know, absolutely like they, they gave him almost seven hundred plate appearances the following year, and he had a second best season of his career. So I'm guessing that they're thinking. This will actually be the f- like the first time since his sort of rookie year, sophomore year that he will have had two, two straight seasons of negative value. So, there that's good, I guess, right? But he had a hundred RBI last year. Do you yeah. Like, you even? Are you even looking oh, at the relevant stats? Yeah. Yeah. You, you bring up and he had twenty five home runs. So. I see yes. this
0: stat on Twitter a couple times where it's like, there's only one first baseman last year that had. Hit two sixty, <laughs> had hundred RBIs, twenty five home runs, and won a Gold Glove, and it's Eric Hosmer. I'm like, okay, right? Uh, that's two sixty. That's a
2: really high. That's <laughs> a really high standard. Man. Yeah,
0: yeah. You're eliminating. Yeah, I mean, uh, let me see. Uh, go ahead, you guys continue. I'm gonna. See. So,
2: so, like, even like you, under the traditional stats, like, right? Well, he's not and, like like okay, Kauffman Stadium suppresses home runs. Guess yeah. what? It doesn't suppress batting average. Yeah. George Brett but, hit almost four hundred in the stadium. Like Eric Hosmer. Like, uh, Sam Ellinger, and Sam, Sam's a really good writer, and he I think he understands Hosmer's limitations, but he was comparing, he's, a, really he's nice guy. He is a super nice guy, but Sam was writing that, you know, I think, you know, Hosmer's realizing, or, or the Royals are realizing he's more Mark Grace or Keith Hernandez yeah. than, say, uh, Miguel Cabrera, and I'm like, man, I wish he was Keith Hernandez, that guy hit 300 as a, for his career, Mark Grace hit 300 in his career, they both were excellent defenders. Hosmer has hit three hundred in his career once. Yeah. He's a two hundred seventy-eight lifetime hitter. That is I mean, there's no reason why he shouldn't be a three hundred hitter spraying the ball into the gap, sitting forty doubles a year. I mean if he doesn't hit twenty yeah. home runs, that's fine. That is what I he mean, is, but
1: man, he should be a better offensive player. Mark Grace's best season was almost two full wins better than Eric Hosmer's best season. And they happened at relatively similar ages. Like, Mark, Mark Grace, well, that's technically not true. Mark Grace was 30 at the time of his best season.
0: Yeah. Well, and those guys put up uh, 30 more wins afterwards, too. I mean, those guys weren't just, like, okay yeah, players. Yeah. I mean, they were really good players for the after that.
1: So this brings up an interesting point. Now that we've gotten around to the qualifying offers, uh, that brings up a point, because we were talking about trades, are the Royals better off not trading these guys and giving them all QOs and then taking the picks?
0: No, you're you're generally better off taking the the picks. I mean, taking the players than you are the uh, the QO. Um, yeah, just because you kind of know what you're getting and you can pick it out, and yeah, you kind of really bring up your bus level. I mean, you really bring up the bar for your bus level a little bit more rather than taking. I mean. You know, we'd rather have $500 now or, you know, $700 a year from now. You know, something like that. I don't know. But it just depends. Right. Huh.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's... I don't necessarily have a strong opinion. I just thought it was a question that we should ask. Yeah. And by the way... And I were, think also,
2: like... No,
1: go ahead. I also think, yeah, I, th- I think, too, that, like, Dayton Moore
2: doesn't want a long, drawn-out rebuilding process. So... He'll probably want guys, he'll probably prefer guys that are kind of closer to Major League ready that you get in a trade rather than a draft pick that will take four or five years to get Major League, you know, really become a regular. So, I don't know, you know, my guess is that I'll that'll probably be a factor as well.
1: So, what do you what do you think a good return for Lorenzo Cain is then?
0: Uh, a fringe top one, uh, Juan Soto of the Nationals, if they want to do that, like a, a back-end top yeah. 100 guy. Um, okay. If they packed him with Herrera, maybe you get Juan Soto and uh, I, Eric, uh, I don't know Eric Feedy or uh, I like uh, Jesus Lazard from the Nationals. So yeah, I mean something like that, something that's like okay, solid prospect, decent second guy who has a shot to be a solid prospect. If that makes okay. sense. Okay. So yeah, is, I think
1: Herrera, is Herrera more than that because he has another season left, huh. or is he? I, don't I think not he's, he's, he's a reliever, which yeah. I guess, you know,
2: deflates his value, but... Yeah. It probably, it probably depends, too, what we're going to see, because, like, Herrera, uh, you know, he hasn't... He's been, I think, a little bit overrated, just because, like, his strikeouts have been kind of going down. I and mean, he's not, like... He doesn't strike out, like, 10 or 11 per nine, like a lot of other re- elite relievers yeah. do. But, you know, he's still... I think he's... I think he does kind of have... A, there's a little mystique with Royals relievers, where, like, they get a little bump yeah, reputation-wise sure. because of that, you know? Like he's part, he was part of HDH that won a championship, so that'll probably help a little bit. Uh, but you know, it kind of depends what he does this year. I right. think if he has a pretty solid year, like what do you would expect, yeah, I think he probably gets more than Kane just because he has an extra year of value plus the draft pick compensation yeah. that the team would get next year from him.
0: Yeah, the the Chapman Miller packages aren't aren't there, but no, certainly uh, certainly something. Uh, I just now drew blank. Yeah, certainly something that's that's decent. I mean enough that I would I would probably expect back like what did uh Eduardo Rodriguez brought back or no, Andrew Miller was traded for Eduardo Rodriguez. Before Andrew Miller was then a free agent, I think, pretty quick after. And Eduardo Rodriguez, I think, was like a fifty ish overall guy. So I think that's reasonable. Um I you know, Andrew Miller is very good. Andrew Miller is better than Kelvin Herrera, but it was also a half a season of Andrew Miller against a year and a half of Kelvin Herrera, so that kind of evens it up a bit. But
2: uh, what do you think? What do you think of like like uh, the Will Smith trade is like a comp? Yeah, I know, I, Smith had like three years, I think, maybe left.
0: Yeah, yeah, I thought the yeah, I thought that was a good one. I'm trying to remember who it was real quick. Uh, I remember liking- like
2: Phil Bickford? was it that? Oh, oh, that's right. I like
0: the idea of um a Dickford guy. I don't like Bickford Susan himself, it. but.
2: But, like, that kind of player. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, He was kind of a fringy top 100 guy. Well, yeah,
0: yeah, and they got Susac, who's not too bad. Um, But, yeah, Eduardo Rodriguez was, per Baseball America, I mean, he was a 65th overall prospect in 2014 and 59. So, yeah, I mean, he, I really like Eduardo Rodriguez to begin with, even, you know, the majors. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, um, of course, he was a completely different player as soon as he went to the Red Sox. But, um, yeah, I, I think he could probably get something like that, which is a, Pretty good return. I mean, that would instantly be the Royals' best prospect.
1: <laughs> That's a high bar. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, so, a ha- like, not even a handful, I guess. Like, a finger full of fringe top 100 guys is, is probably probably what
2: fans should expect, give or take. Yeah. I mean, that would help out the farm system, I mean, quite a bit.
1: Sure. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I mean... Well, it the, Royals, the Royals are staring down the barrel of, of, of potentially having traded the best two pitchers that they've ever developed in Sean yeah. May and Cody Reed. Yeah. So, yeah. Well,
0: they, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter if they trade for a pitcher; he's not going to be any good, anyways. So, I mean, they might as well trade for all <laughs> the And even Such then, a those messiness. hitters,
1: uh, who knows? They're not going to walk. Well, so. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm just kidding. Cody Reed has not done yeah. well. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, Cody Reed hasn't been good. Finnegan, I think, has been a little better, but now he's hurt. Um, but like, even like Oduro Rizzi, Shambania,
1: who has also been hurt, is been pretty okay yeah. until you know.
0: Well, and even like Oduro Rizzi's been decent. I mean, he's pretty good. And, and yeah, I mean, he had a three
1: win season at one point, right?
0: Yeah, 2015, and he was a two win player yeah. and a two win player the year before and the year after. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's yeah. he's he would slot very nicely into the Royals' rotation. Um, yeah. We really all Jeremy it. Guthrie starts.
1: Really makes you wonder. Yeah. Oh wow. Well.
0: Okay. All right. I think we've talked about as much as we we can on a seven and eighteen win team, um, or whatever they are. Um, any last words? Anything else we we want to talk about? Or try and well, I got
1: or... I, I, I got to do my random Royals fact. Oh, for the episode, please. Uh, Carlos Beltran, two thousand two, led the Royals with thirty five stolen bases. Second on the team was good old friend Michael Tucker. Ah, okay. Uh, Twenty-three. Oh, speaking of Carlos Beltran, he's probably a Hall of Famer, right?
0: Like a baseball Hall of Famer? Um, yeah. Eh, that's a tough sell.
2: I think he should be, but I, I think he'll be on the ballot for a while before he gets in. Yeah. Like, Because he, he doesn't have like the narrative and the... Like, he yeah. doesn't pass the
1: feels-like-a-hall-of-famer
2: test, yeah. which yeah. I think and, a lot of writers
1: do. And so, and so I was was kind of looking at this the other day, and I didn't get too far into it. According to the uh, whatever the the Hall of Fame statistics that uh, Baseball Reference uses, mm-hmm. he's, batting-wise, a likely Hall of Famer has, like, 100 points on their you know, meter or whatever. Carlos Beltran's at 126. Oh,
0: okay.
1: And for their Hall of Fame standards, the you know the average Hall of Famer has fifty points or, you know of whatever, and Carlos Beltran's at fifty two. Yeah, so he's I think he's a borderline guy, but uh, yeah, definitely a borderline
2: guy. I don't like I don't feel strongly one way or the yeah. other about him. Being did Hugh you know.
0: often fall off like immediately?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, Hugh like Lofton like fell off, okay. and he's a guy that should have gotten way more consideration yeah. than he did. So
0: that's what I think Beltran's going to be like. I think yeah. that. If there, if he's on a year where there's not a lot of great choices, and I don't know what's coming up, then I think he gets in. But if he's going up against like, you know, kind of real strong guys, or like a bevy of strong guys, especially with like pitchers who all of a sudden can't get in, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think he's uh, He's in the Hall of Very Good. He's in the Adrian Beltre Hall. You know, like that kind of guy, not like a Cal Ripken Jr. Well,
1: Adrian Beltray is going to be a Hall of Famer. Yes, Beltray is. I
2: think Beltray is playing. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love Beltre, but
0: I—I I don't know. I, I think he's—I think Beltre one of the mm. guys that's just going to be around for a while. He might get in, he might not, but I don't think he's—he—he he would probably be slam dunk for me. But I—I I don't vote. You know, I'm not he's, in that.
2: He's coming up just... on 3,000 hits, which is usually pretty. Uh, yeah. That's the
0: okay. I—I I, I didn't want to was that high up on it. I mean, he's like
1: a... just yeah. Go ahead. No,
0: go ahead. He's got 81 wins in his career. I mean, that's a lot. I, I, yeah. I'm just saying, like he's the player type that I think that maybe we he'll be underrated when it comes to that. But I didn't realize he was at three thousand. Yeah, I can see that. that.
1: Close. Yeah, doesn't Beltray also have
2: gold gloves? Oh, uh, yeah, he's possibly one of the better yeah. best defenders. Yeah. like of his
0: era. He's got like yeah. a, a and he's a not that far phone, away from right? five hundred. Yeah, one. he's okay. You know what? Take care. he's
1: got he's got okay. So so here's here's just for comparison's sake. Adrian Beltray has five gold gloves. He has uh about four hundred and forty five home runs and He got he about 1,600 RBI right now. And yeah, he finished second in MVP voting once. Oh really? Finished top finished top ten Several
2: times.
1: Five other times. Okay,
2: yeah. yeah. I figured that's, right. So yeah, it's that's actually look culture. look looking at his awards though, he, he has only made the all star team four times. He's only finished top five in MVP M V P balloting twice. That's right. not partic- Like that kind of says he wasn't really that well respected,
1: you know, as during his career. But I, think, I mean, you I, know, I don't know. Like MVP voting, like, like, like I mean, Mike Messina finished sixth in Cy Young voting like seven times. You know,
2: like he's yeah, but that was a pretty stacked era too, I think. Right. right. Yeah. But, but I think, yes. I, and, and he's also not in. I think because of the same perception that he's more of a compiler rather than outstanding, great, you know, great pitcher like yeah, I mean, Pitcher Martinez, who doesn't have a lot
1: of counting stats but of course everyone recognizes he was outstanding. Yeah. Yeah. Carlos Beltron has has 423 home runs, 1544 RBIs and 300 stolen bases.
0: I didn't realize yeah. this but yeah, LG Adrian Beltre is 34th overall in FR next to Chipper Jones, Joe DiMaggio Roberto Clemente, Jeff Bagwell, Pete Rose and Ken Griffey. Yeah, yeah never mind. I take that back. I I thought he was a little further than that than he was.
2: And he's three years old and still pretty good. So I mean, he's been out this yeah. year, but I mean, I he, he's going play a couple
1: more years. Yeah. he won a gold glove last year and finished top ten in MVP voting. Yeah, like, yeah. he was a six month yeah. player at age thirty seven. Yeah, so and, he might. And, he might well,
0: crack and, and, like top thirty. All, I mean, I'm sure. He, I'm almost sure he will at this point. I mean, he might pass George Brett. I mean, George Brett's at eighty four point six. I think it's. I think it's pretty easy to say that Beltre's. Uh, maybe not the best third baseman of all time, but he's getting up there as far as in consideration for the among the best of all time. He's not, you know, yeah. Mike Schmidt. but
1: Right. So, just comparison's sake, you've got Adrian Beltre, who's been to the All-Star Game four times, you know, top five MVP twice, has five gold gloves, has won three silver sluggers. Then you have Carlos Beltran, who was Rookie of the Year, has been to eight All-Star games, has three gold gloves, and finished top, top five, five in the MVP, MVP voting once, and has two silver sluggers. Huh? And, but by OPS+, Adrian Beltre is at 116, Carlos Beltre on 121. Huh? Um, hey, I,
0: I'm, man, I'm... I still don't think he's a slam dunk guy. Like I still think people are I, No, gonna...
1: I I mean, I don't I don't necessarily think that Beltran's a He's not a, he's not necessarily a first ballot guy, but he's he's a guy that should get consideration that I I don't think will.
0: Yeah.
1: Mainly because his career peaked roughly a decade ago. You know, as soon as, you know, when he left the Royals and went to the Astros and then was on the Mets and had a bunch of 40 home run seasons. Yeah. But that was all, you know, in 2006, 2007, 2008. And he's just kind of been around since then.
2: The Jason Bay years for the Mets. Oh,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> I feel what? like he also, he doesn't, like, have a, a, a iconic, like, the, the most iconic moment I can think of him is him striking out, caught looking to end the 2006. Oh, no. NLCS. He's, he's but yeah, he's, out, yeah. he's outstanding postseason career though yeah yeah, yeah but he like has a career uh, ops yes,
1: 1, 1.078 in the in the postseason he had a big home run didn't yeah he? he had a he had a game-winning home run for the astros yeah yeah i was thinking i was thinking that and, um, and i think the nlcs
0: to face the cart because he okay i'm thinking because pujols hit that huge home run off the astros to go to the world yeah. series it was it but... the
1: nlcs yeah, yeah yeah oh that was the
0: ds okay uh, yeah, it
1: could have been. Um,
2: no, it was NLCS, but yeah, that's the other thing. Is he only played in one World Series, and that was kind of at the end of his career yeah. with the Cardinals. Yeah. yeah.
0: Hey, uh, two random things. One, if Miguel Cabrera stopped playing right now, is he a Hall of Famer?
2: Yeah, uh, I think uh, probably. Yeah.
0: give okay. yeah. Okay. Oh, six, 68 career F4. Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, sort of the cutoff for consideration for a lot of people is right around 60.
0: Yeah, well, and he's got the triple crown, uh, and I mean...
1: Four-time batting champ, Yeah, time MVP. He's got two MVP awards, and he went to the All-Star game for a yeah. decade. No, I'm with you. Yeah. I think he is. Or but he's, just, curious you know, he's t-
2: oh, and, But uh, is he as good as Hosmer, though?
0: No, no, no. And speaking well, of that, <laughs> I want to bring that back to Hosmer because so I, I play-indexed it. There were 10 first basemen last year who, had, um, who hit greater than 260, more than 25 home runs, more than 100 RBI. Eric Hosmer had the lowest batting average of them. I think he had the lowest home run total of them. And I also think he had... No, Daniel Murphy had 104 RBI. So he had the second lowest RBI total. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Jose Bray had 100. But anyways, he was down there in that. And the big caveat that I see is that, oh, he had a gold glove. Well only one player a year can win the gold glove. So, yeah, of course he's the only guy if you add the gold glove in there. It could be any step you want to throw in there, plus the gold glove means there can only be one of them. Um, So, anyways, (laughs) there's my rant. uh, Because, yeah, there was 10 players last year. that met 10 first basemen. So, you know, a third of all the third basemen last year hit that. Now go take a look at what those 10 first basemen are probably doing this year and what they did the year prior and the year two prior. So difference between Eric Cosmer and random guys in one year. So, anyways, there's my rant. <laughs> I could talk about Eric Cosmer. For the
1: forward. record, Carlos Veltron has more home runs in RBI than Miguel Cabrera, but, you know, it's whatever. It
0: yeah, but Miguel Cabrera. <laughs> but Cabrera's done it
1: in, like, six fewer seasons. Yeah, so he was
0: a shortstop, too, at one point somehow, Yeah, if you can believe it. And a third sort baseman of. for that one, for that one season or whatever with the tigers they go yeah we're gonna try him out at third base and they go nope let's let's go trade prince fielder so we don't have to play miguel cabrera at third base ever again basically Man. Uh, yeah God. okay although
1: that trade did end up working out for them so
0: oh yeah no definitely um i
1: feel bad prince fielder is probably another good one whether or not he's a hall of famer
0: oh i think he's too far away right
1: Yeah, I think he's a little more borderline. than.
0: Yeah, you've got to be a really monster first baseman to get there. And I mean, he was good, but career, well, yeah, 133 WRC plus. I mean, he's good, but 319 home runs. But I
1: don't don't know if he was great for long enough. No, no, no. Yeah,
0: especially his injuries at the end, and he only had his peak. He's a good peak, 5.9, but it's not like, yeah, I don't know. It's not a huge, super, super peak. You
1: know. There's a uh, somebody on Twitter the other day was pointing out that that Prince Fielder's career is remarkably similar to Cecil Fielder's career in terms of like, numbers. they have the
2: same number same number of career home runs oh exact same yeah. number
1: Ooh, whoa, whoa. Let's, yeah um... three nineteen hold on let me
0: now you got me curious give me two seconds I wanna... and the,
1: their home run totals were really really similar at one point
0: so let's see so Prince like... Fielder compared to his father. Um, yep, 319 home runs, pretty much the same RBIs, um, yeah, pretty close career ISO, 223 against 227, uh, mm-hmm. but Prince was the better hitter, though, by far, yeah, uh, oh yeah, def-
1: he was the more valuable
0: player, too, yeah,
1: yeah, okay. I didn't realize his war was that low, I always forget yeah, about what they do, the first
0: yeah, you think it would be
1: higher, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't, I would have put him somewhere in the... I thought would have thought he was in the 40s, but
0: yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, let's say first base. God, you got to just kill it to be first base. Like even, like even Keith Hernandez, who was a bonkers defender,
2: <laughs> s- still wasn't
0: like, still isn't like. Oh my God, you know. Oh, this guy might be a hall of famer because like he had the highest bar possible for a first baseman, which is being an elite defender. And even then, he's like, okay, he's he was pretty good, but. I don't think anybody's talked about him in the whole thing. but he's a sixty-win player for his career. That's pretty pretty dang good. Back to back seven-win seasons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was he was really good for a really long time. Yeah,
0: and he was on Seinfeld. I mean, what more could you ask?
1: And he was on Seinfeld.
2: Okay. Yeah.
0: All right, Max. What do you got to to sign off? Anything?
2: No, I'm uh, just so I, I, my preseason season prediction of Jorge Soler hitting 30 home runs. Yeah, I, I know it's early, but I don't think that's going to happen.
0: You take it back. Right, you take it back. Okay. I, yeah,
2: Did yeah, just not happen
1: this year. again? Like I've I've been trying to figure out why he's been. in... You're thinking of five. Kyle Zimmer. Ah, uh, ah,
0: uh-huh.
1: okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was he was hurt before the season started. They just hadn't figured it out yet. I guess is is really what. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I really, uh, think, I really really think it's like he just doesn't know pain. Like, you know, he's just like not understanding that this is what it should be because, I don't know, that's just my thought. Anyways, I'm just really oh, curious. Oh, like the normal,
1: the normal wear and tear yeah, and like shoulder fits. stiffness that happens yeah. from pitching?
0: Like, you see those pitchers with those huge ice packs Velcroed to their right, arms yeah. after games? Yeah, that's yeah. not just because it looks cool or, you know, <laughs> something random. I mean, it hurts to pitch, but I don't know. I hate to be like that, but at some point you're like, okay, can he really be this hurt all the time in, in, after this surgery that was supposed to clear everything up? And I don't know. Anyways, because he's, he's been pulled after a start just because he was sore and then he was fine. I, I don't know. I don't want to get into it, but I'm just curious. So, okay. All right, Josh, what else do you I want mean, to say?
1: Uh, don't, do <sighs> don't dive this, into it. Uh, this, se- the, this season went so way faster than I anticipated yeah. and I was not ready for it. And I'm um, as as a as a, a person who has although for the last, you know, six months has been remarkably sporadic, somebody who has written about the royals for the better part of five years now at various websites. Part of me is really sad to see the royals be bad. But then part of me, like we were talking about earlier, is like so much easier to write about a bad baseball team yeah it's it's so much easier yeah I like uh... there's writing about the Royals in like writing about the Royals in like 2012 was like that was nice it was, it was just easy. Like, you could just look at the team and be like, oh, there's a story. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, as the guy who likes to write about prospects, it's nice that people will be like, oh, okay, let's care about that now. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to get anybody to read a top yeah. 60 prospect list in the year that they, you know, go to the World Series after that. It's hard to be like, hey, look at this guy in rookie
1: ball. Is that, is that why you ballooned out to, to 100 at one point? I or thought about 100, yeah, but
0: I just like... I got to 80 for this past one. and I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't in good conscience put anybody else's name on here because at that point it's like, this guy's not making the major leagues. I, I can't call this guy prospect. So maybe right. next year I can get a little bit more with another draft. But no, this after 80, I even struggled with 80. There were two guys on my list that I had to cut <laughs> because I just I realized, oh yeah, that's right, they aren't in the organization anymore. Um, and so, just because it's like, after that, after like 65 or 70, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy has a shot, I guess. And that's kind of where I had to go from there. So,
1: Because, I, I mean, how many how many players are actually in the Royals minor league system? It can't be more than like 180, right?
0: Yeah, I don't know, 25. I think twenty 25 times 5 teams. So, I mean, yeah, 100-ish or so. Yeah, 100 plus. 100. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, let's get uh, it. Yeah. Very very good day.
2: Um, All right. Well, if anybody has an email, let's have be Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Always to
2: So,
1: I hear the tires squeal Breath I can't stop horror. So I spin the wheel uh, My world drunk. goes for black joining. Before yeah. I feel an angel Steal me from the <laughs> Pretty of death And pull me